Welcome to Damsels in Dialogue, a podcast dedicated to female protagonists in fiction, film, and the stage, co-hosted by Katie Zutter and India Marie Paul. For our fourth season, we take a deep dive into the leading ladies of the Golden Age musicals and discuss just how well these Hollywood and Broadway characters have aged. This episode, we journey to the streets of London, where a wager between two men of phonetics changed the life of Eliza Doolittle in Lerner and Lowe's My Fair Lady. Welcome, everyone, to episode three. It's going to be a fun one tonight. Uh, (laughs) We're talking about Lerner and Lowe's My Fair Lady. And uh, we're going to start kind of in the origins, and then we're going to hop to the Broadway musical, and then the movie that was right behind it, pretty much. It was very quick. Some of the, a lot of this Golden Age stuff happens, like, right in the (laughs) same decade, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, it's a, I've never personally seen it. I've only seen the movie. Really? So I have never seen, I these Golden Age musicals didn't pop up as much around me. So it's yeah. very huh. ashamed to say. That's interesting. I've never gotten to be in it. I've never gotten to see it on stage. Uh, I didn't get to see the revival that was on Broadway when I was in New York. I have things about that too, which is super exciting. So yeah, so uh, let's, let's head over to London. Um, perfect, perfect. <laughs> this actually was a play by George Bernard Shaw uh, named Pygmalion. And this is actually Pygmalion, Pygmalion. I'm sure there's, let's call Tomorrow. it holding off. Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, but it was inspired by Ovid's Metamorphosis. Yeah. So in Metamorphosis, Pygmalion's a sculptor, makes an ivory statue of his ideal image of womanhood, falls in love with his own creation, names her Galantia, that's how you say it, uh, Venus brings the statue to life to answer his prayer, and uh, all is happy in the world? We don't right. really know. <laughs> we just know she comes to life, he's in love with her, they're like a thing. That's kind of the story in Metamorphosis. So Shaw takes that and makes this professor crafting a young lady into his perfect image of a woman, basically. Blech. Um blech. Yeah, basis of basis of idea, blah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But what George Bernard Shaw was good at was writing women's inequity in his time and being honest about it. And many of his some people like to call Shaw like an early feminist. I don't know if I quite agree with that, but right. I will say that he wrote women honestly, and he yeah. did write a lot of independent feeling women. In his many of his plays, so I do appreciate that about Shaw. Well done, Shaw. Yeah, I mean, um, especially Pygmalion, which yes. of course is what we're talking about today. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've read a couple others of his, and that tracks. Like it, he he does Ooh. that in a lot of his his plays with women uh, in the center of it. Um, yeah, but he usually likes to write a lot about philosophy and politics, so all of his plays are like laden with thoughts and <laughs> philosophies. For this one, it's actually one of his least political philosophical, but he does write in the preface of it that it's really about phonetics. It's really a commentary on how <laughs> class is bullshit <laughs> and that if with the right phonetics, you could be anything. <laughs> that is that is real. Yeah. And I, I have a real example of that. <gasps> yes. Of Yeah. So my a, a family friend was is a um, speech pathologist mm. and she this was decades ago. She's mm-hmm. a, a much older than me, family friend, <laughs> but in her early years 
after school and when she was getting herself settled, she actually went into like Southside Chicago and taught like exactly what you're saying, like yep. like classes stuff where she was teaching like quotes white English, mm-hmm, <laughs> like in mm-hmm. quotes proper proper English. Yes, I'm, yes. I'm air quoting. You just can't see it. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, to help them get jobs. Yeah. And it worked. It's a real, it was, like, it's it a was real truly thing. just this really dumb classist yeah. language thing. Yeah. So like, and that was happening back in the 1913 when this play was produced. Like, so Right. This was, like, right. And this is changes. something that happened only a couple decades ago <laughs> yes. of yes. the Family Friends. So yeah, it's yeah. still real. Still, still alive and well. Which, which <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, among many reasons with Pygmalion and My Fair Lady, why mm-hmm. it's still taught at colleges and mm-hmm. still is very, excuse me, very popular and still gets the revivals all over the place. Yeah, it's still very like done all the time, both the play and the musical. And we'll kind of talk about some of the differences as we go through this with Eliza specifically. But I do think that his that view is very prevalent in this where it doesn't really matter where you're from. You can trick people into thinking and how like how shallow it's really like the shallowness yeah. of the upper class and the uh and the concept of class and caste systems that were super prevalent in uh, turn-of-the-century Edwardian England uh, and still exists today. So, like, that's kind of a cool concept for a show. Um, yeah. And it's it's very funny. Like, it's actually, it's a comedy. It's, for it's sure. quite entertaining. Like, that yeah. is one of the shows that I could get my dad to come see. And he's, yeah. he's just not a big, like, this musical theater and operas and stuff yeah. are just like not his jam. Yeah. And that one he he enjoyed. The dad is funny. Yeah. Like Eliza's has a really, really silly moments. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I really like that she's allowed to be funny in it. Yeah. She's allowed to be intelligent. Like the- But yeah, genuine funny. Yes. Not like yes. I'm making fun of you funny. Yeah, it's not camp. It's not like Yeah. Not, yeah. And that's something they did, I think, capture from Pygmalion in My Fair Lady's Eliza Doolittle. Is that she is like she's honest, she is genuine, she has all the feelings. Like we'll we'll talk in like two seconds about her because there's not like the inspiration for the musical is actually from the 1938 screenplay because Shaw wrote the screenplay. Oh, nice! So the adapt the extra scenes in it um, and the adaptations of it were from Shaw. So. Uh, the movie has an embassy ball, not the amb- ambassador's garden party. And that's what they use in My Fair Lady. They added a triumphant ball scene, which they didn't have in the play. Because the play is very much like each act. It's a five act. Each act has one set. So you can't really like change a whole bunch of oh. places. Whereas in musicals, screen- we want to go big. We yeah, want to exactly. go big. <laughs> exactly. And in the movie, it did. So it kind of added. It added, um, okay, the screenplay in 1938 okay. added a little bit of an epilogue. Where interesting an epilogue that we see in the musical in the sense that like Eliza comes back in at the end, so that does happen kind of in the play. Okay, okay, okay. Not like a full epilogue. He writes a full epilogue, which we will discuss when we talk about the ending of this play. Um, But the way the director shot it, it it kind of lent to a more romantic ideal with Eliza and Higgins, in which the play doesn't. The, the the play is very ambiguous at the end because he thinks loves that things are messy. Like life is messy, right. things are messy. There's no real ending to it other than they both leave kind of still bickering. They right. have it at have at it at the end and then they kind of leave still rib- ribbing each other. So the movie the they movie add adds that? 
Yeah, adds kind of like the musicals this, like, like that too. The musical it's, that's it, why there's the, a yeah. romantic. There is. So they pulled it from the the movie. Yeah, yeah they pulled it, it from it, the it. movie. The added I'm stuff is really up. from the movie. Uh, and it was really the director and like the cinematography of like seeing looks on people. Like the dialogue didn't say it. Oh, it was like kind of the looks that an were given. interpretation. Yes. Yes. Ah. And I want to save some of my some of Shaw's opinion about the ending till we get there in this yeah. discussion because it, it'll be a whole thing with us. So there's uh, something that happened in uh, the screenplay that then was put into the stage musical that then was put into the musical was Jeez. the Eliza. It, I believe it's Leslie Howard was played Eliza in 1938. Okay. And she accidentally swallowed a marble while they were practicing oh, yes. the film. Yes, I and did know that. And now it's in yes. the musical. So one of the Elizas from 1938 influenced uh, the moment of We've Got Plenty More, which is an ad-lib mm-hmm. line in the movie. So I thought that was kind of cool that yeah. Leslie Howard was kind of responsible for that moment being in Poor the thing. musical. I know, right? I, mm. At least it was a marble. Yeah, that's true. That's worse thing. She could have accidentally swallowed worse things. There could be, yeah. Back then, who knows? Like, like that, yeah. That's not going to like tear up her intestines on the yeah. way out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Really, there's only a couple characters that kind of get taken out in the musical, but it's almost word for word the play. Oh. Like, it's very similar. Like, lines are taken straight from it. Some of the settings kind of are a little bit more loose in the musical, but, like, it's pretty much the play, but, like, truncated to make the book scenes more streamlined. So, like, there, as far as, like, comparing Eliza's... It's... Like, there, it's- She's it's, the same. Yeah. That's that's honestly great. I do yeah. I do like that because she yeah. is a really fun, fun character. Yeah. And so they, so they say that they played it from the movie, mm-hmm. but it's actually word for word the play. It is. And the in the movie followed the Got play it. too. So it like and it was Shaw's writing the screenplay. So like yeah. it really was just kind of taken, which means they respected Shaw's words and that Shaw's yeah, words that's great. well written. Because it is a well written show. I will say yeah. that. So so it was that and then it became this musical. So actually Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein the second tried to write a Pygmalion. Musical, yeah, they did. And they, they tried said it real was hard impossible. and long. They could not make it work. They could not. Which I find oh so my interesting. Gosh. Like what? Yeah. What was their? What were they stuck on? That's like I have no idea. They, there was a couple because you can find stuff on them where they they couldn't they couldn't figure out an ending that worked. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember what else. But there's like a couple points that if you like really dig in deep, that like the moments that they complained about the most. Yeah. And then they just like gave up. Like I love that they didn't even they didn't even care. Yeah. When Lauren and Laura were like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna try it. And they were like, Yeah, who cares? We have we could care less. Like, yeah, we're gonna do maybe it. We, maybe we have the rights to it, but we don't care. Like, take it. I don't want it. <laughs> That's so because they were huge at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like this they, is, they mm-hmm. if they were like, nah, we're doing it. Yeah. Like, sorry, yeah. no one else could. So it's so funny to me that they so quickly were like, We don't want it. Yeah, we're good. You guys like after trying it. and they couldn't make it work. Yeah. yeah. Well, in this, so this, the musical came out in 1956 and it was a huge success. It ran for six and a half years, which is a huge record at the time, which has now been broken. But the record breaking cast album topped the charts for 15 weeks in the U.S. and 19 because weeks the in the street UK. where you live, the street mm-hmm. where you live was like the song. Yeah. Like it was like charted for a while. Yeah. It was huge. So this, and this was the shot to stardom for a dame 
Julie Andrews because she Ugh. played the original Eliza Doolittle. So this was like she had done Broadway before. This wasn't her first Broadway show. It was The Boyfriend was her first Broadway show. And she'd done like the vaudeville circuit and things. Um, but this was her big step into the limelight. And her voice was on all yeah. these cast albums that were constantly played. And now she's the, the I mean, she went on to do Sound of Music. She went on to do Mary Poppins. Like, yeah. like it, this was like her first big step. Did she do, did she do Camelot before or after My Fair Lady? After. Yeah, because yeah, Camelot's yeah. when what was when Walt was like, well, yeah. wait, get yeah. out of here. Exactly. <laughs> like this is this is what got like I think Camelot is Lerner and Low too. Quite possibly. There's a lot of the same team that was on Camelot. But yeah, she was definitely brought in right after that. She yeah. Because she played she played Eliza for quite a long time. Like she did it on Broadway and then she opened it mm-hmm. on the West End as well. So she played Eliza yeah. for a large part of the beginning of this before she went on to Camelot and movies and, yeah. and all of that. I think it's really cool that this kind of made her and they took a chance on her. It was a hard process. She was, I think, 19 when they were rehearsing and an icon, <laughs> an icon. And she got like Rex Harrison was not very confident about her being Eliza Doolittle. Um, I can't wait to talk about Rex Harrison in the after hours. So, oh, yes. Watch the extra hours. The extra hours. I mean, the they extra are extra hours. hours, but the after hours. Yes, <laughs> for um, or hot hot goss on Rex Harrison. But anyway, yep. yes, uh, I will say it was Rex Harrison who said that they should not name the musical Lady Liza, which is what they were going to name it. Oh, ew! Yeah, thank goodness. So they were. Going oh, I don't to- like that at all. I know. So Rex Harrison did tell Lerner and Lowe, do not do that. <laughs> Good job. And they listened. Uh, We love love taking feedback. They did did listen. And then the new title, My Fair Lady, was taken from the last line of the nursery rhyme, London Bridge is Falling Down, and appears nowhere in this musical. Random. It's so like, what? Okay. (laughs) They didn't even try to add it into a song, you know? Like, they just let it exist. So I thought that was hilarious. Julie Andrews on playing Eliza, she said, I was young and green and innocent abroad with blinkers on, a young girl from Walton-on-Thames who was, more often than not, preoccupied with matters of family. How could I recognize the enormity of the opportunities that were coming my way? And she wrote that in her biography leading to, like, the beginning of all of this. Um, See, this is what I wanted from every show we've talked about thus far. Yep. Like, because the first person who plays... These characters defines the character. Yeah. And can ultimately change the character forever once they step into the role. And it's been such a bummer that we haven't been able to hear their opinions. Yeah. So thank goodness. Yes, we have for some Julie quotes. Andrews. Yeah, I have some <laughs> quotes, um, which is great because like so when they were rehearsing, Julie actually found herself really kind of out of her depth and Harrison grew really resentful. Uh, which is super fun. Uh, her comment about that was he was quite rightly making a stink about his silly little English girl who couldn't manage the role, she wrote. Apparently, he once said something like, if you don't get rid of that C word, you won't have a show. Jeez. That's what Julie said Rex was talking about her like. So that was super fun. Cool. Uh, Dude, she's is- 19. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She turned 20, like, by the time the show was up, but she Ew. started at 19. Which is also very toxic, because, like, how old is he? Gross. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's a whole that's a whole part of the, the show, which we will discuss the romantic ideas of the show and, and all my rant about that. Well, Yeah. But I'm the- so sorry for all the times <laughs> that I make weird noises and no one knows 
what like I'm facial, doing, like you it. just hear the awkward <laughs> frog vomit sound. I apologize, listeners, but also enjoy. Yes, please enjoy. I'm so sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so the director was Moss Hart. There was a one point that Julie was having so much trouble. She had a lot of trouble with the dialect about singing in this dialect. This is not an easy thing to do as a trained performer. Yeah. Uh, to do this Cockney accent, to sing in this Cockney accent, to then take it and transform it slowly into a proper, like, that's, it's a huge right. task. He basically dismissed all of the cast for 48 hours and just worked with Julie Andrews, the director, Moss Hart. He told her, if you if we are to accomplish anything at all, this is going to be hurtful and difficult. And she emerged from that weekend completely changed. She said, I became angry at him, hated him. In fact, then I became tearful from sheer frustration and despair. I have never in my life had as good an acting lesson as Moss gave me that weekend. Hmm. So I don't know what happened yeah. in those 48 hours, but it it took her from feeling helpless to feeling ready. So whatever wow. Moss Hart did, <laughs> I don't know what he did, but she speaks very highly of him. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So that wow. was kind of cool. Like that that's I'm like, really this cool. is, that one, the director didn't just fire her. Right. And that two, he was like, everyone else leave. We're mm -hmm. going to work. To like give her the time yeah. to understand and get it. Yes. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was that was really, really cool. And that's a really cool fact of like how she had to develop. So it's I think it's really hard to know exactly what she put into it, because I think it was a combined effort between both her as Eliza and this director helping her become Eliza. Yeah, so I think it was a joint effort creating this loving, like lovable, powerful yeah. like, <laughs> character with her. And I there's not enough about it that I like I could get keep like just let her. To, like talk to me about it, Julie. That's, I just right, want you to tell yeah. me everything. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool that I found a little bit of that. There's a lot of egos that she had to deal with <laughs> with yeah. Rex Harrison and like the costume designer, which is its own journey. Um, <sighs> I mean, his stuff is stunning, but, you know, egos are everywhere. She said that she got like the costume designer to kind of crack a smile eventually, but that he was kind of like a stiff, uh, stiff man. Um and he did both the movie and the stage production because they loved him so much. Cecil Beaton, which we will talk in the after hours about Cecil Beaton. <laughs> I have thoughts. Um, there is. I did find a pretend rehearsal that Julie did for a uh, TV show. Cool. Um, where we got to see her perform in a fake rehearsal setting. Yeah, just but still. So it was recorded in it was recorded in 1960s for like a television special, and that's the closest we get because there wasn't video of these things. So like this is right. like the closest we get to seeing her perform <laughs> Eliza <laughs> nowadays. So it's really cool to find. It's on YouTube. She was stunning. <laughs> like she was oh. just stunning doing it. I can't even imagine what she would have been like. But she also got to do it. This was a couple like um, four years after it had opened. So she got to do it to show it again, which is really yeah. cool for her. And <laughs> opening night of this musical okay. was four hours long because two of the turntables were broken because <laughs> there was two oh turntables on the set. So the stagehands had to come out. This is my fun fact. Had to come out and change the scenes, but it took double the time because they should have been able to turntable them. 
And oh, gosh. Julie Andrews had one of her wig on wigs on backwards that night <laughs> because she had so many quick changes. Oh my gosh. So, opening night happened. Oh goodness. Uh, it was kind of like a mess, but it's they still all had drinks after. Yeah, still still ran for six and a half years. And here we are. Um, so that's kind of like Pygmalion 2 musical happening esque. We'll talk about the movie in a second, but like that's like how we get here. Cool. Um, the movie is pretty much exactly the musical too. Yeah. Like they didn't cut the only cut one quartet. But they kept the song, like the opening quartet of all. Um, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be loverly? Right. They cut that, but pretty much they moved like where one song was. But other than that, which it was honestly is impressive, because a yeah. lot of musicals that like movie musicals, yeah. even ones that we've talked about, yeah, outside of White Christmas, because that one started as a musical, yeah, <laughs> as a movie. Yes. Um, a lot of them are cut down because it, I don't know if it's like the audience or it's Hollywood thinks this. Yeah. But we're going to say it from the point of Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood seems to think that people can sit in their chairs and watch a superhero movie for four hours, mm -hmm. but they won't sit and watch a full-length musical. Yeah. So they always cut it down shorter. They yes. always try to keep it under two hours or around two hours. So mm -hmm. I'm that's that's really cool of them Yeah, at that time period to leave that all in there. Because, like, I mean, Guys and Dolls last week, they... Mm -hmm. They cut stuff. They added weird things. They did. Yeah. They moved stuff around. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was still two and a half hours long. Yeah. Uh, and this <laughs> But movie this one, is, for it to be straight, that's yeah. awesome. It's like they, they kept, and I think that also is a testament to how beloved it was. Yeah. Like, it, this mo the movie came out in 64, so this would have been right like a year or two after it was finally off of Broadway. I mean, they even kept the whole overture. The overture yeah. is long. Mm -hmm. And they just have pictures of flowers. <laughs> like they just distract with pictures of flowers. During but the it's overture. really pretty. It's gorgeous. So I think it's really cool. But like you really can watch you the you can watch the movie and get the feel for yeah the musical, which is really cool because it does pretty much track. So Katie, yes. how one of the questions that I have about Eliza? Yes, is that yes? I'm so ready. She cries very quickly sometimes, but she mm -hmm. also stands up for herself. Yeah. And for me, sometimes that really tracks as like a human trait of just like yeah. being so like at the heat of emotion that it could be either way. But do you feel like sometimes like do you feel at all that it feels natural? Reads like a man wrote it. The, yeah, yeah. Every not always. Not always. Like you said, there are some moments where you're where it's like, yes, of course she would be angry. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, she'd be yelling. Of course, she'd be crying. But there but there are, especially in comparison to him, because mm -hmm. it is you are compared to him the whole time. Yeah. It's like he almost comes off as like entirely emotionless. Yes. For 90 percent mm -hmm. of the movie and the musical. Yeah. So I think overall, like we said, like Shaw still wrote a, like a solid, strong woman. Mm hmm. And she is multidimensional. Yes. Which is great. Do but every that. once in a while, it doesn't feel as genuine, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it just it just feels like written 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 by a very well-meaning man. Yeah. That's what it, there's. It's almost like we're going to compare, like, the emotionless Higgins to the yeah. overly emotional Eliza. 
which yeah. is like we're playing gender politics here. We're playing like it. Right. It, and it there are times where like I think she uses it to get like especially in that first scene when she's like trying to get oh, people to sympathize. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like yeah, it feels like oh, you're you're playing the crowd. Like I get you. Yeah. Like there's that's fine. Like you're smart. You're street smart, you know. Yes. Um yes. any any intelligence she doesn't have is because she just hasn't been told it, not that she couldn't learn it. Um Yeah, he he is the definition of book smart and yeah. she is Street smart because if you swapped, which honestly would love to see this musical, mm. uh, make Higgins oh. need to go live like a life. He couldn't. Oh no, he wouldn't survive. Are a you day. kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> no, couldn't. Yeah, and I think that's mm. so. Yeah, so that that kind of hits me in a weird place sometimes where I see her like all of a sudden she starts crying and I'm like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Like I yeah, like it. So I don't know if it's just trying to like have her on like the verge of anything. But she does stand up for herself a lot, especially when, like, her yes. integrity yes. is being questioned. Like, I do really love that. I love that she, like, tricks people into giving her more money. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, that scene, like, those scenes, that beginning stuff is really great. There's a lot of discussion in this about physically abusing Eliza. Like, there's a lot mm. of, like, take a, like, whip to her and, like, that. And, like, that's from the play. Like, that that was, like, yeah. language that was in the past. But I'm, like, mm, still feels a little odd. Yeah, still unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like a lot of that, though, in in the ver- when I did it and the ones mm-hmm. that I've seen, they they still have, like, the marble. They still have some of those, yeah. like, which which were all things that people did. That was voice pathology at the time. Yeah. Was it super ethical? Always yes. not, really. Yes. But yes. I feel like they get rid of the abuse, like, mm-hmm. some of the abuse aspects of it. Yeah. They keep the the jokes, like, the marble, yeah. like, yeah. that's more of a joke. Like, that, it it never felt like, oh, he's physically abusing her. Well, um, So I, I think they remove some of that when, when yeah. they do it live now, because, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> It's like, not needed. It's not needed. In the, in the play, you're supposed to hate Higgins. In the play, it's You can hate him, though, without him being abusive, because he, he he's oh, just sure. stance. Oh, for sure, you don't like, need it. Yeah. No, because yeah, yeah. you you even even the the movie yeah you still you're like oh you're you're betting on the livelihood of a of a woman yeah yeah like and you don't you don't you already don't like him <laughs> yeah yeah that's how I feel I feel like Higgins yeah. is the worst human being that's my opinion mm-hmm. a big question that hit me watching and actually like Ooh. reading the play is does Eliza have agency in this musical Ooh, I would say overall full plot no. Mm-hmm. Because the entire thing is run by him. Mm-hmm. She is her own human being. And there are definitely choices yeah. she makes where she decides to throw caution to the wind. Like the whole derby scene is just. Oh, my God. I love the derby scene. Just to die for. <laughs> so good. <The laughs> like owns up to everything. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Like just too funny, you know, and, and like her sticking up for herself. And like, I think mm-hmm. that she has moments of agency. But the entire thing is still run by a man. The entire thing is still run. Yes. By Higgins and this bet. Mm hmm. You know, which mm-hmm. kind of gives it the ick yeah. of the original story harking back to the first rendition of this story mm-hmm. that, India, you said of yep. the, I made the perfect woman out of clay. Yep. And you're like, ah, cool, cool. You made yourself a blow up doll. Great, great, great. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh-huh. so, uh-huh. but I will say Shaw made it less weird because, mm-hmm. and why people like it so much, because she is mm-hmm. at least a well-rounded individual. She, she yeah. is relatable and fun and Mm -hmm. strong-willed and does show a range of emotions yes other than just i'm in love with you because that was a lot of the ingenues Mm -hmm. at the time Mm -hmm. so i'm the femme fatale yeah i'm the ingenue i'm the you know this is 
So that's kind of nice. But yeah. yeah, I would say overall, no. To that yeah, <laughs> and that like I went in thinking like, oh, she has some agency, like she stands up for herself, and then really reading it, I went, absolutely not. And like that's no. the point. Like Shaw wrote it to be like the reality of women in that time period. No agency does not exist. Right. So I get that that transfers, but like one thing that really bothered me when I read it is that she never agrees to the bet. Oh, she of course never. Not. There's no consent. It. There's no consent at There's all. There's no consent. I like because they no. talk. They like she just comes in. All this woman wants is a little bit of speech help to get a better job and to pay for lessons out of mm-hmm. money she doesn't really have to spare. And these two jackholes are like, let's make this huge bet. We don't care how it affects her life. She's just a gutter snipe. Like, let's do it. She never says yes. No. Like he and he like the the, the, the whole like she, you have to tell her like Pickering's like Pickering's nicer to her, but he still lets yeah. everything happen. Right. Oh, of course. Of course. So, he's he's just like a step above. Yeah. He's like the one who points out when Higgins is being too harsh, but never does anything about it. Right. Um, right. And I think makes, he also yeah. starts to care for Eliza first. Yeah. As like, a human being. Yeah, as a like human as, being as a sure. human. Yes. He's like, oh, she's. Yeah. She's kind of great. <laughs> yeah. And she says at the end that he's always treated me like a lady. Like, no matter when where I was, Pickering always treated me like a lady. So, like, there's that, mm-hmm. like, friendship that happens with them. But Pickering's like, you have to let her know exactly what you're asking of her. So he has this, Higgins has this huge speech about, like, you could have your head cut off if you're caught, found out. This whole speech lays it out. And then Eliza says something about, like, I won't do things unless I want to. And Mrs. Pierce is like, don't talk back. So... She never, like, you get the no, thing laid she out. She doesn't consent ever. She says, I won't do this unless I want to. And then immediately by the other woman in the room gets told to shut up. Yep. So, like, she never says yes. And it really, really bothered me. But, like, because I always assumed, like, oh, at some point she probably has to say, like, sure. No. 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 Never says it. Gets no. pushed up the stairs and told to shut up by the other woman in the room who, right before points out that you can't do this to her but then all of a sudden is like telling her like i'm just it's just so weird yeah and it it just feels so gross (laughs) when when you start looking at it so that really bothered me reading it yeah and like and some of the other women and like mrs pierce is really frustrated. she goes back and forth because she's kind of like to me she feels a little bit like a plot device and less like a person agreed so that's kind of like Yeah. Mrs. Higgins has a much bigger role in the play than she does in the musical. Really? Yes, because the in the play in Pygmalion, the derby scene actually happens in her home and they have visitors come. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So she like, it's still her friends are the ones that they're talking about, but it's not a public affair. And she pretty much tells off Higgins that he can't do this to a woman like what it like what it will happen to her after you're not thinking about what happens to her after and she yeah. tells him off a lot like he's written as a mama's boy right and oh like, yeah 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 which you get a little bit of in the thing yeah. like she gives him way more like blunt huh. opinions in the play and the play ends with her telling him to stop like to not do this to her because really? this like and then he leaves oblivious to everything and the last line of her scene is Oh, men, men and frustration. Oh, I love that. So like Mrs. Higgins and then Eliza goes to Miss Higgins and you have an entire scene with Higgins and the mom where the mom tells him off for what Eliza told her he did the night before rather than Eliza replaying it. Right, right. Mrs. Higgins does it. And then she says that he's Hmm. not allowed to see Eliza until she says so. 
Yeah. So like there's like she has a much more, I don't know, mat- uh, matriarch role in the play. Yeah. Um, And plays like the huh. common sense role, I guess. And she kind of like she has some of it in the musical, but not it's not as impactful. And she's not as overtly protecting of Eliza. Right. In the musical, which I found a little disappointing. Now that but I, I do, know it's you know. a thing, I'm bummed that we didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I love the I love that they put it in the races. Like you, oh, yeah. they are making fun of English society so hard yes. with that song. Like, I love it. It's hilarious. And, and it's it's so funny on stage. Oh my God. The way that they can stage that yes. can just be silly. Yes. In the best way of, of the movements and just, ugh. So I do like that. And I also feel like they made, I feel like they made Eliza dumber in the, in the musical than she was in mm. the play. That's because a bummer. I do enjoy that we see her struggling and learning how and learning. We don't really get yeah. that in, in the play because there's not time. There's not space for it. Right. Um, I do like that we get that the rain in Spain, like that whole where she's succeeding. Like, that's really cool. But in the play, they comment that she has a better ear for language than Higgins does and that she instantly learns how to play piano without ever having a lesson. Like, that's how intelligent she is. Oh. So you get like that she's someone who... Learn like had to learn, but like was really good at it. Yeah. And then this one, it happened so quickly without like any kind of discussion of her progress that right. she just looks like she's struggling until she kind of has it a right. couple lines by the ascot scene. So I think they dumbed her down a little bit, which feels very 1950s. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they add a huge sense of romance to Higgins and Eliza. Yeah, and I just don't understand that because, okay, looking mm-hmm. at Eliza as a character, her mm-hmm. arc, even though she doesn't have as much agency as I wish she did, mm-hmm. like her arc, right? Because she yeah. does change. She is a mm-hmm. different person by the end, I would argue. Yes. She is well-rounded. She is highly emotional, mm-hmm. but she's also in a highly emotional state. At the beginning, she's a hustler. Mm-hmm. She's a hustler who wants to be better at hustling. Yes. Essentially. Yes. Right? yes. <laughs> exactly. She's, she's good at her job. She wants to get better. She's bettering herself from just 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 a poor a, a poor lifestyle mm-hmm. and wants to get out of that. Is not shooting for the stars, is not shooting for rich flower shop. Riches. Just yeah. Worker at flower shop. Yes, yes, yep. yes. <laughs> yep. I would like to be she just wants to be middle class people. That's all she wants. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. so, okay. So that's how she's at the start of the play. Mm-hmm. And then like as she's growing, you see her getting excited and learning and getting mm-hmm. more intelligent. And you see her go from this is a task and you drive me absolutely insane to I am enjoying learning this. Yes. Which is fun to see. Yes. That's cool. You see how her opportunities could open more. And she mm-hmm. sees that too mm-hmm. because she's learning valuable skills and mm-hmm. kind of still laughing at the rich. Mm-hmm. And it... It bothers me mm-hmm. <laughs> that at the end, instead of the end being like, I've accomplished all of this, still the F you, mm-hmm. you drag this on too long, this is all a bet, how dare you, like, walk out, mm-hmm. love that still, mm-hmm. get your flower shop, get your bank, but I, it just would have been, I, I don't know, I feel like it would have been better if instead of her coming back to me like, I love you, which is just, I don't like it, and that makes no sense to me, Yeah, like, it makes more sense for her to come back and and he's almost like second dad. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has that teacher yeah. that you you still keep in contact with years yeah. after you left the school because Doesn't they be changed romantic. your life. Does not have no. to be romantic. <laughs> no, I just don't understand why yeah. 
it was. Well, and like, yeah. <sighs> yeah, and it was this was a problem that Shaw ran into because people wanted it to be a happier ending. And there was a want for Higgins and Eliza to end up together. And Shaw hated that idea. Yeah, I don't blame him. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, love on the street where you live. Oh, I think yeah. that character could still could have been there because yeah, she could see that great. that's Freddy. still like a great learning thing of yeah. a a maybe what yeah. if my life was like this, you yeah. know, still love that for you. Yeah. But she doesn't need to end up with him. She doesn't need to end up with anybody. Well, yeah, and that's what he <laughs> he writes and it is in the musical, the line where she realizes that she could just become a teacher, beat him at yeah. his own game because she's nicer and people would rather yes. learn from her. Like, that's a great And she's speech. a hustler. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. She knows what she's doing. She would crush it. And the turn for me in the musical where it goes down a dark path of this is a romance. And Lerner and Lowe flat out said that they thought Shaw got it wrong. Quoted saying that. No. Like, with all due respect, I think Shaw got it wrong, basically. And Shaw was so against Eliza and Higgins being seen as a couple that he wrote an entire short story of an afterword explaining what probably happened to Eliza and Higgins. That's how <laughs> mad he was. I and love it's that. like, ooh, I think I have a good pull from it. Because he goes into, like, a whole speech about like how horrible they are for each other, that they would like, they're not built for each other. And then why can't this just be the mentor that changed my life and have Higgins Mm -hmm. come full circle? Cause I would argue he does not change at all. He doesn't change at all. And that's different. Like, and that's, what's different about Pygmalion. The, the Ovid metamorphosis is that he's in love with his creation. And Higgins is never allowed to be because Higgins is supposed to be the representation of the evil upper class. Like he is the villain of the play. <sighs> like that is like what it is. So the quote that from Shaw's afterward that I, I pulled, because it's a it's a long thing. Like he goes yeah. into detail. And he's like, what is Eliza fairly sure to do when she is placed between Freddie and Higgins? Will she look forward to a lifetime of fetching Higgins slippers or to a lifetime of Freddie fetching hers? There can be no doubt yes! about the answer. <laughs> Unless Freddie is biologically repulsive to her and Higgins biologically attractive to a g- degree that overwhelms all her other instincts, she will, if she marries either of them, marry Freddie. And that is just what Eliza did. So, and then he goes on to write an entire life for her and Freddie afterwards about like her like attempting to figure out what they want to do. And then Pickering helps them start a flower shop. And then they start like a grocery store so that they can work together and live together. Like he writes his entire life for her and Freddie after explaining why her and Higgins should not be together. Oh like that's also how, like, claps for the rep claps for the representation of saying <laughs> biologically attracted to. Yeah, overwhelming her could, other instincts. Like, could you have, have to been be so attractive. <laughs> yeah, but even then, biologically attracted to anybody, yep. to anything. Yep. We yep. love the rap. <laughs> That's where, like, I pulled that out and I'm like, this is the quote. This is the one I'm yeah. reading. Because also, like, Freddie fetching hers. Because he explains, like, how, like, she will be doted on. That being respected by someone and is not being under someone's thumb. Like that's like he writes a whole thing about like women and men too. Yeah. Like it's a whole like it's a great afterward. I highly recommend it. But like also to be so unhappy with people's reaction to your ambiguous ending that you write this is We what love happens. a petty king. We love a petty king. <laughs> so that existed and Lerner and Lowe just went, nah, that's wrong. 
(laughs) Ew. Ew. The turn in the musical that started to make me angry and started to make me ranty about this romance was actually one of a beautifully written the score gorgeous i will give learner and low that for days beautiful score. oh yeah 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 yeah. can't deny that i could have danced all night is the first time that we see eliza think about higgins as romantic because they have the rain in spain and my brain yeah. i could have danced all night came after the ball or something it does not. It comes no. after the rain in Spain in which she dances yeah. with Higgins for a hot second in celebration. Yep. So she has an entire song that m- turns her into a romantic ingenue. Her first song is just about wanting to live a lovely, normal life. Yeah. Her I Want song is that. And now her I Want song is romantic. So like that they turn it there and it really is frustrating. And then he sings this whole song about like, I'm an ordinary man. Women suck. And like, I'm just like, what? No. What? Yeah. like it's- And I don't mind because like Eliza is young. I don't mind her having a little bit of that. Because how would she not be attracted to somebody? How would she in, yeah. in that day and age? How would she not be? They're giving all a the young- attention. They're taking her to all these parties. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless unless she is just not about that, which is fine. I'm totally fine with her having a, like, because that probably might not have been an opportunity before to have a romance, to even think about romance. So, like, that's exciting. That's great. And I even, it doesn't even bother me that much that she considers Higgins, Mm -hmm. because that's the first guy that she's been around, potentially, that much for long. But, like, it overshadows the, like... The entire reason she was there, which kind of is a bummer, which is that's it's just why that's so frustrating because I would like I wish it just ended in a big F you. And if she does come back, Mm -hmm. that comeback is it's because we mutually respect each other. Yeah. And we we change we change each other lives. But no, 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 no. no. Like we he refuses. He is not allowed to emotionally change in this musical. Mm mm. He is not allowed to, and that makes him the worst choice for her. And that's why it's so fr- – like, he's not – if you're going to write a show where they both change each other for the better, yes. like, whatever, make it a romance. Like, we can all get behind that a little bit. Um, right, right. But, like, he is not written – like, he, he stays pretty strict on it. They only really manipulate Eliza – and like they're and they write, I could have danced all night, and they manipulate the audience to now want the romance. Yep. And that's like because I because I could have danced all night is so. It's who good. hasn't done that? Yeah. Who hasn't done that yeah. after a a a high school dance, a middle school yeah, dance, prom, exactly. anything a formal where you come home and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I had this moment with this this person, and mm-hmm. I will I will my feet will never touch the ground. Yeah. You know, it's just it's so well. The the song is so well done. It's frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, that's like it's gorgeous. I love the song. I think it's relatable. I think it's a great like song for people to study. Like it's wonderful. But when you put it in context of what Lerner and Lowe are now forcing into the narrative, it's really, really frustrating. Yeah. Because after that, that's when we get like this constant tension, like the. The You Did It song is fantastic. Like, it's so good at, like, pointing out the issue with the show. Like, that, like, and that mimics the scene that exists in the, in the play and everything. So, like, I, I love that song because it shows off how awful these men are. Um, yeah. In a lighthearted, like, that's the juxtaposition, you know? Like, I get right, it. right. Like, it, that's well written, too. But man, the gaslighting that happens in the scene after is just so bad. And actually, Show Me kind of bothers me because. Yeah. 
Show me does, and I wasn't. I like show me as a as a, I like yeah. It, I like but okay, so in the play, in the in the screenplay, the nineteen thirty okay. screenplay, he does write scenes in which she sees Freddie on the street after the fight, and then they start like canoodling in all these places across London and keep getting run out by police guys who are, like kind of catching them. So she's That's finding so physical comfort in Freddie when she's stressed and leaving Higgins. Yeah. Like she, u- she uses Freddie a little bit. Yeah. Like a physical comfort. So they mimic that in this scene, but instead they have show me. So instead of allowing her to find comfort in a nice man, she yells at him, but is really yelling at Higgins. So like we're now also projecting the fact that she can't get over Higgins because she's yelling at Freddie, but really wants to be yelling at Higgins Gosh. instead of using Freddie as a comfort. You know, like that's, that's such like, a bummer because, yeah. like, having not seen the movie, yeah, th- I'm like, gosh, I mean, an interesting, yeah, it's a cool character song. development for her, yeah, yeah. But no, it's like what we could have had was better. <laughs> well, that's like that's it. Just it just was another way that they were manipulating the narrative to turn romantic, like that she could not get Higgins out of her head because she wanted Freddie to show her not. But then she won't allow Freddie to show her because he won't like the only way Gosh. the only way I could see show me working. And this is like my director brain being like, yeah, yeah, she yeah. She chose to kiss him before she sings it and he's taken aback. And then at the end of it, he Ooh. kisses her. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. if you actually get the show right. me part of it. But it's not written that way. No. So like I, you can manipulate it a little bit if you wanted to. Oh, of course. Um, but uh, when I started unraveling the threads of where they made it romantic, because so many, uh, so much of it is straight from the play and straight from the screenplay, yeah. I just started going, it's this, and this is when they do this it. And, this this. Is they, yeah. and I hate the line, and it's just like, it's accurate to the time, but like, I hate the line, the girl belongs to me, I paid five oh, pounds for her. That's, I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. And it, yeah, that's just like little things like that. Oh, yeah. So it's Eliza where the devil are my slippers is not romantic. No. No part of it's romantic. I hate that. I grown accustomed to her face is supposed to also give us sympathy to him. And I'm like, I don't have any sympathy for you, sir. No. At all. But it's just another way that music is trying to manipulate the situation, too. So, yes. But people know that this is an issue now. This is not like we are not the first people to think this. In the Broadway revival, the recent one, I think it was 2018, they changed the ending to where she leaves. She like, chooses leaves to leave. for real, real. Leaves for real, real. Okay. So they do, like, Good. in that version, they made Higgins. The ending was adapted where Eliza leaves Higgins after the final line. So he does say the full, like, they didn't change the okay. script. Okay. He says it, and she physically storms out. So... People know it's a thing, right? The critics also talked about this revival. They made Higgins play full nastiness rather than trying to be likable at all. So that the audience he, he felt, just isn't. No, he's just not nice. And Rex Harrison plays so likable as like an asshole. So it's really hard to like, he also manipulated that role. In the revival, they made Higgins play really nasty. And so like the audience felt a sense of triumph when she finally left him. Yeah. Which is what is supposed, like that, the original feeling that you're supposed to get from the play. Um, So people know it's an issue. But if like then the whole question is, then why are we doing it? Right. It's beautiful. And I think it's a gorgeous piece of musical theater itself. And the characters are are deep and complex and all of that. Mm -hmm. But what do we actually learn anything 
from this musical other than misogyny happens and class sucks. Like, right. is, that, is that what the takeaway? Is that it? I mean, none of these musicals we've talked about have really had. That's true. Anything. Yeah, guys, to be honest. fun. Why Christmas is just fun. It's just a holiday. Yeah. So I, and maybe we've got to like opinions. Yeah. Things. <laughs> right. Right. So and that could be something of the time, you know, because yeah, a lot of of not all theater needs to be like ground, like breaking yeah. pivotal change everyone's lives because yeah. some of it is truly just an escape. Yeah. And I wonder if as we go on with this season, mm-hmm. if we find that maybe whether it be just the ones we picked or the golden age in general was truly more escapism. It might have been. Than not, you know. And it's right after the world war, you know, like I could see that right. being a, a big influence on it. It's just an interesting thing now that if what the, what I think the Broadway revival proves is that we have to work against what Lerner and Lowe intended now. Oh, for sure. After for sure. me too, like awakening that happened. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very hard, I think, to put on My Fair Lady in a way that feels good. Unless you do yeah. it, try to actively work against Lerner and Lowe's intentions. Because it's it's still done a lot. Yeah. It is still a very, very popular show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. going a little bit against. I think there's two things. I think yeah. it's, I mean, you're still against Lerner and Lowe. Yeah. But there's the, the playing up of Eliza mm-hmm. and making her a little more wary mm-hmm. yeah. of him. Yeah. But I think it's also, there, there's not much you can do with I've grown accustomed to your face. Like it's a pretty yeah. song, but like weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, But like making him more of a decent human by the end, mm-hmm. like manipulating it so that he also changes a bit. That despite also his words, help. he learns or like he actually it, does grow fond. Right, right, yeah. right, right. You need like yeah. I know that's harder to do. Mm-hmm. It's possible, but though. you know the high schoolers and stuff that that do that. It's yeah. that it's gonna be easier because they're they're kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because I know it, it's done a lot. It's done it a lot is. by colleges and mm-hmm. high schools and just in general because it's a it's a very well loved show. Yeah, it's and it, for I mean for good reason. It is a great. It also is a classical piece of uh, drama that was. Like, it has a history behind it. Like, there's things you can study from even right. like a college and school perspective. Like, there's things to study and dive into. Um, so I get it. I just think it's an – if I would ever be directing the show, I would have a very specific time, like, tracking Eliza and making mm-hmm. it – making her as progressive as possible and trying to give her any agency or the – because right. it's a show about misogyny. It's – like people claim it's not a misogynistic show. It's a show about misogyny. And I don't know how I really like feel about that statement. But if you play up how much agency she doesn't have because of the position she was in. Right. Like it's a, that's a hard statement for me to fully like back. But it's an interesting thought of like why we do it. Like what are we proving with it? How can it right. teach us something new about today? Like how much has not changed with women's ability mm-hmm. to have power over their futures? So yeah, there's a it's a lot to unpack. So I think it'll continue to be done. I'm not mad about it being continually done, um, right? But I think you have to really deal with the ending because Lerner and Lowe forced an ending that Shaw definitely did not want. <laughs> no, so. and that that's probably back to the especially when you said earlier this this episode that they wanted a happier ending. Yeah. So I, this is it's truly just escapism at this point. They took yeah. they took writing. Mm-hmm. That was not designed to be escapism mm-hmm. and made it escapism. Yeah. Exactly. Which is wherein the fault lies. 
It does. And like, I think you're right. I think really the 50s probably were a very escapist romantic. It's very romantic. The 50s have a lot of romance. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so if you write a musical that's not a romance in the 50s, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, there's like if you're going to do a, a politically driven show that has no no romance in it. Weird. How are you going to sell tickets? Yeah, who's <laughs> like, going to come? Who's going to see it? <laughs> um, yeah, we should definitely track that because I don't know many of our musicals this season that will not have a romance at the center of it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's just kind of of its time, too. So. Yeah, it's, I do think Eliza changes. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And it's a complex thing that I think every Eliza will figure out for herself. Um, I don't think there's one way to do it, which I think is really cool. Yeah, um, opens a lot of interpretation, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And, and Audrey Hepburn is the famous movie version of Eliza Doolittle and I'll do well we can end with a little bit of the movie development because we kind of jumped you could talk about the movie and the musical as one Julie Andrews was not chosen to be in the film there is rumor that Jack Warner I think yes Jack Warner told Andrews that he invited her to do a screen test because this was this is 64 and it opened in 56 mm-hmm. so this is you know almost a decade later invited her to do a screen test and she refused and he was so offended like the rumor is that she told him you've seen me do the part you know i can do it right right and then he claimed it was because she wasn't famous enough so my goodness so she did not get to do eliza doolittle they offered it next to audrey hepburn and audrey hepburn at first didn't want to do it because she could like she didn't have like a lot of singing training it wasn't really in her wheelhouse and she said on the matter i understand the dismay of people who had seen julie on broadway julie made that role her own and for that reason i didn't want to do the film when it was first offered good I, for her i learned that if i turned it down they would offer it to another movie actress and i thought i was entitled to do it as much as the third girl so then i did accept it so i think okay. the next person they were going to give it to i think was elizabeth taylor mm. who also is like in the same boat as Audrey Hepburn is not being a right. a singer. Right. Um, At least Audrey, I do enjoy her performance I do of too. the character. I yeah. think she makes her very endearing mm-hmm. and very compelling. Mm-hmm. And you believe her mm-hmm. when she, you know, yells at him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like yeah. Yeah. like she pulls off the the emotions going all over the place mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. So, still would have loved to see Julie, obviously, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. But there is a song but. where she sings most of it. Because this is also the thing. Audrey, Jack Warner did Audrey Hepburn dirty because he told her that they would mainly be using her voice. And she trained. And oh, she yes. And they didn't use her for voice. For months. And then instead, they started using Marnie Nixon, who had done, I believe, mm-hmm. West Side Story at that point and all of that. So Audrey was also told when she agreed that she would get to perform it and they just screwed her over and she's very upset about yeah. that whole part because she did train a lot. And so she had like 12 hour days with Master Cockney accent people and court like she was doing all these things. But you can hear her sing almost all of Just You Wait. Oh, that's good. She At least sings, gave her a little something-something. She sings, I mean, still annoyed, yeah. but... you can. I mean, you can tell when it switches, really, because if yeah. you listen to Just You Wait, it's in that lower range. It's talked through mm-hmm. a lot. She sings that other than um, the high part when it goes to the bridge, that's when they, they, Marnie Nixon comes in. So right. you can tell, but like you do get... And she sounds fine singing that part. Yeah. Of the thing. She's just not a soprano. 
you know? Right. And there's like two lines and I could have danced all night that are lower that they they put into, which is a little rough if you really listen to it. Oh, weird. But what sucks is that everyone was pissed off that Julie Andrews didn't get to be Eliza Doolittle. Right. And then all the stuff came out about her not singing for herself that there are critics like were half and half with Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. They're saying she gave like half a performance. They were like, it was kind of. There were so many rumors too about yeah. how they thought that Julie Andrews was dubbing it. Like yeah, they thought that that's... they, they were like, oh, they, they screwed her over so much that they made her dub it too, but they yeah, didn't allow her to be in it. Yeah. They, 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 yeah. It was, it was wild. That was, there that was, was drama. so much drama. Drama. <laughs> there was so much drama about like the casting behind the movie of My Fair Lady. Fun fact though, Audrey Ooh. Hepburn was offered a million dollars to play Eliza Doolittle. And only wow. three other actors at that time commanded that amount of money. And that was Marlon wow. Brando, Sophie Loren, and Elizabeth Taylor. Wow. I'm pretty sure Rex Harrison made like 250 So, Well, sorry. She's bigger than you. Exactly. She's easily like just even in the scheme of things in general. Yeah. Bigger, bigger than you in all accounts. Yeah. Sorry, and, Rex Harrison. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's I have a whole thing about Rex Harrison for After Hours. But uh Woo! But yeah, so and and then there was more drama from the Oscars the next year because Audrey was the only one not nominated for she was not nominated for My Fair Lady. And in fact, the 1965 Oscars is when Julie Andrews won for Mary Poppins. So embarrassing. I bet Disney was like laughing, laughing. We grabbed her. We knew she was great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like it by the time the movie like came out. Julie Andrews had been in Sound of Music, was about to do, like, came Mary Poppins mm-hmm. came out. So she was becoming a household name, but she wasn't a star right. yet. So there's a whole bunch of drama about, like, they sh- they kept switching between her and Audrey and on cameras when they were announcing, like, those, like, they were, like, playing up this horrible thing. But she did, Ju- okay, here's the queen, Julie Andrews, Dame Julie Andrews, in her speech for her award says my thanks to mr jack l warner who made it all possible an icon a legend (laughs) because he said no she got to do mary poppins so that's the little little tidbit from the oscars but i mean the movie i mean the movie was wildly successful there i'm trying to look at like some fun facts to to end us out but do you have any like questions or thoughts that came up when you were watching the musical or thinking about the musical or in the musical yeah no i've seen it in so many formats yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's set in a beautiful era Mm -hmm. so that's also something that is really enjoyable that you are whisked away to that time period yeah that i think keeps that nostalgia for it Mm -hmm. and I don't know. It's kind of Eliza is one of those characters that you can do so many things with and you are seen getting to do so many things. And what I mean by that is you get to be the brat. Mm -hmm. You get to be the domineering woman. Mm -hmm. You get to be the ingenue. You you literally get to be everything. Yeah. (laughs) You do, though. Which is is something you don't get from a lot of characters, especially Mm -hmm. of this time period. But even... Even other shows, it's like you are this this type and this character. And yes, you may grow, but it's you are drama or yeah. you are overcoming a a big feat or you're, you know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. for her to be able to like what a fun role. 
yeah to play where you get to truly be so many different things mm-hmm. and have your spin on so many different things like it's i feel like it's a very validating and exciting role mm-hmm. to play as as a woman yeah. now Pagan's probably not so much as that. Yeah, I don't know. That would be yeah. very fun to play. Yeah. Like Pickering, maybe. Like Pickering, Pickering is if a you more pl- fun. If you play him upright yeah. as like the like wiser best friend who's yeah. like, I kind of see what's going on here. Like he yeah. might be fun to play. Yeah. And obviously like Mrs. Higgins w- is, you know, fun. But yes. like, I don't know. It just, it it's, I think that's another reason why it's done a lot too is because mm-hmm. she, she has so much more opportunities. Yeah. Than other characters get because she's thrown into such different society and different Mm -hmm. things and 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 is given the chance to have those moments here's another because there's a duet Mm -hmm. and this one we have the female duet that you had talked about too Mm -hmm. where that was this was the rise of that yeah you know so we have one of those in there there are a decent amount of women there's still it's still like you know the entire plot is run by man but yeah Yeah. (laughs) i don't don't think it passes the bechdel test there's hardly any it's still, scenes. Yeah. Right, because it's still the 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 duet is about a man. Yeah. Because it's the I could have danced all night. Yeah. But there's still a lot of yeah. a lot more women than there could have been. Oh, for sure. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. She she's she's a fun one with so much that she gets to do. And you have to like the beginning of the show is a comedic actress. Like, yes. So you have to play the ingenue powerful leading lady by the end of it and then you have to mm-hmm. be comedic and crass in the beginning of the show like you're really stretching the stereotypes of typecasting here. for sure and and vocally mm-hmm. vocally to go from a mid-range brassy nasally belt to julie andrews level soprano yeah not many people can do that yeah. that is that is a massive challenge mm-hmm. Which I think is also exciting for actors. Yeah. Not many people can do that well. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool. This just, I think, Eliza shows so much range. Yeah, I agree. That not as many characters get yeah. to have. Which it would be a shame which is if the really show cool. goes away. Like that, that aspect yeah. and that study is really fascinating. My problematic parts of the show aside, like her as a part for women to play is fantastic. The play yeah. and the musical. Just a, it's a it's a fantastic study to make it feel like those moments where it feels a little more like written by a guy. Oh, standard yeah. emotional. Like, okay, how do you make it work? Are you manipulating right. the situation? Are you trying to get something from it when you go right. into cry mode? Like, what is that? Are and you it, truly crying because yeah. your emotions are truly that high? Yeah. Because I mean, we we all had. I mean, who doesn't know a yeah. a girl who. Their first reaction is I I'm I'm crying. Yeah. Who's crying all the time? Yes. We all we all they know exist. her. But it's real. They exist. But for Eliza to be that girl, but also the girl in the bathroom telling you to ditch your boyfriend. Yep. Like that that that's the, the, the same person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's yep. really cool. <laughs> it is really cool. And like and she's and Eliza's supposed to be about twenty one. Yeah. Not quite like early twenties. Yeah. Like she's not supposed to be a teenager that still has plenty of years ahead of her to get married and right. all of that. It's supposed to be like on the cusp of we're getting into the place where we're not gonna get married, you know, in that time mm-hmm. period. Which is why she just wants a job. She doesn't ask yeah. for a romance. Yeah. She doesn't ask for a person. And poor Freddie just comes up and goes, I love that you said arse. <laughs> you know? 
Jackie. What a sweet, sweet guy. Freddie. We'll talk about (laughs) Freddie in the after hours too. But Audrey actually played it as as a 35-year-old in real life. She played 35 and the guy who played Freddie was 30. They cast it up because she was so much Mm. older. I mean, she doesn't look it. Oh, no, no. She like crushed it. Like, I wish, you know, my skin would look like that. Right, um, where they didn't have nearly the the technology we do. Yeah, like exactly. that's not touched. That's not yeah, retouched. That's not. Fair. She just she just looks like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was really cool. In contrast, where Julie Andrews played her as a twenty year old, and she yeah. was twenty. Like there's also that interesting, yeah, contrast to it where Julie Andrews was age appropriate playing this massive Broadway role. Not that they knew yeah. it would be as big as like that was a huge risk, right? Oh, for sure on her. So. I, I think that was also really, really cool that she she is the iconic like she is the soundtrack that sold and was record breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and she became the amazing Dame Julie Andrews that we know and love. I would have loved to have seen her movie version just so I could see her do it. That's the yeah. like, most disappointing thing. And Disney was willing to wait for My Fair Lady, too. If they yeah. like she was she was their Mary Poppins. So they even told her. That if you need to do My Fair Lady, we will wait. Because <laughs> they waited for her pregnancy. Yeah. They were like, like we're in it. We're in it. Yeah, like, we're in it. Whenever it. you're ready, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. So she could have. And it's just Jack Warner. And like the rumor is that she said, I won't screen test. And he was offended. But I don't know. Like that's she, Julie Andrews. The only interviews I could find was that. Because people flat out ask her, like, why aren't you Eliza Doolittle? <laughs> oh, of course. And she is so gracious. Like she doesn't ever bad talk it. Like. Audrey or anything. Yeah. She's very much like, I think they just wanted stars and I wasn't really a star yet. Like I was, I didn't yeah. know me on Broadway, but people didn't know me in Hollywood. And so she like right. very politely answers it in the interviews that I found. But yeah, it's just a shame. I mean, again, Audrey, I think did a very good job of performing it. it made me sad that she was screwed over with her understanding yeah. of the role. But I think they're two very interesting versions of Eliza Doolittle. I think they are different. Even just listening to yeah. like Seeing Audrey's performance and listening to Julie's performance, like you can tell they they both have a different fire in them. But yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun character. And yeah, I'm just mad at Leonard and Lowe for making it a romance, but I don't know if I can blame them if that was the time. Yeah. If they were expected that was the expectation of the 50s era is to write a happy right. ending and to write a romance into the show. So what can you do? I do have one fun fact about Audrey Hepburn. That's nice. I'm ready. When Audrey Hepburn entered the set for the first time in Eliza's gown for the ball, she was so beautiful. The crew and the rest of the cast stood silently gaping at her and then broke out with applause and cheers when she That's just showed up. That's so sweet. <laughs> Isn't that like just the most wholesome set yeah. story? <laughs> so I thought that was really Aww. cool. Sweet fact to end on for Audrey. After she had to deal with so much crap about the movie. <laughs> That's Lerner and Lowe's My Fair Lady, a.k.a. Pygmalion from George Bernard Shaw, a.k.a. Metam- oh, Not Pygmalion because Pygmalion. we wanted, he did it wrong. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And that's thanks yeah. for coming along this journey with us, though. Yes, thanks for letting me rant for a hot second about the romance. Um, and she's—I mean, she's interesting. I'm glad we got to talk about yeah. her. So cool! Thanks everyone for joining us, and check out our after hours for more fun rants about oh, yes. the men of the show. Can't wait! See you there. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Damsels in Dialogue. Tune in next week as we bounce between the troubled love affairs both on and off stage in Cole Porter's Kiss Me Kate. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you can help us reach even more listeners by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating or comment on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you are listening. If you want to join us for even more discussions and opinions about My Fair Lady or any of our episodes, head over to our Patreon. There you can support the podcast and unlock an entire library of exclusive after-hour video podcasts with a new one arriving each month. You can also unlock research notes, bloopers, and more. Follow us on social media and at our website on damselsanddialogue.podbean.com. Until next time, this has been Damsels and Dialogue. Have a nice day. This podcast episode is sponsored by Royal Princess Parties, LLC, and is produced by Hello Out There Audio, part of Hello Out There Productions.